and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today in the show, we're going to talk just a little about pesticide safety. If you've got any questions about that or anything going on in your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. Again, that's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so pesticide safety, I, I just say this, uh, when we start talking about pesticides in general, a lot of people get really nervous on this whole safety thing. And I, I, I guess that's not necessarily a bad thing. We, we want to make sure that we are cautious with all pesticides, but there is a, an unbelievable difference in the degree of safety with certain products to others. For example, I think you're probably well aware if you go to the gas station and you pump gas in your car, if you take a small drink of that gasoline, it'll kill you. If you even come in contact with your hands uh, or any part of your body with gasoline, so like for example, if you don't use personal protective equipment while pumping your own gas, you're taking risk. You've got a proven cancer causer in that gasoline called benzene. And then there's also xylene. It's really horrible for you. So when you go to the gas station, hopefully you are wearing personal protective equipment. Since 99.9% of people do not, that just tells you right there that a lot of these things just start to happen in our society. And when people say pesticide, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. It's terrible. And I, I, I got to stay way away from that. And I'm definitely going to gear up. I'm going to wear lots of personal protective equipment, but yet they go to the gas station. They pump something that's way more dangerous than any product we use on our farm. And I mean, it is not even close and oh, whatever. I'm going to pump my gas with a bare hand and then I'm going to go in and uh, grab some food in the gas station, and not wash my hands. So here's where I'm going with this. I don't care what the substance is. We want you to be educated. We want you to understand how dangerous anything is that you're dealing with, whether it's the household cleaners below your kitchen sink, the gasoline you pump in your car every day, the oil that you change out of your vehicles, the grease that you're using. I, I mean, just think about all the different petroleum products you use and the danger of those in addition to just this whole pesticide thing. So I realize our topic today is pesticide safety, but I'm talking about safety of everything out there. So you got to be careful, use your head. And again, personal protective equipment, that's really kind of where it starts. It's really important. Rubber gloves, for example, even something as simple as that, you keep stuff off your hands, that's a big deal. Wearing long-sleeved shirt, long pants, uh, rubber boots. I, I mean, there are a, a number of different things you can do, fairly simple things, so you keep pesticides or anything that's dangerous off of you. Now, again, there's a, there's a real varying degree in terms of that overall safety with pesticides. So you can look right on the label and it will tell you, uh, it, you'll see different signal words, for example, caution, warning, stuff like that. When you see skull and crossbones, that's pretty bad. So you got to be really careful with that kind of stuff. But 
I don't really care what it is. We just want you to respect pesticides in general. And it, just a little bit of caution on the upfront side just makes such a big difference as you go throughout the course of the season. One of the things that our dad always talked to us about too is he's like, I want you to get a fairly good night's sleep every night because the more tired you get, the more you are, the, the easier it is to neglect all the little safety things. The more chance you have to get injured, the more chance you have to do something dumb. And we, we just want to try to avoid any of those kind of situations because it only takes one bad situation and it could impact you for the rest of your life. Fortunately, with a lot of the pesticides we're working with on our farm, and you probably are in yours, they are so much safer than the pesticides that were out there 30, 40, 50 years ago. A lot of those kinds of products have been banned. You look at all the things that I can think of from when I was growing up or in high school, college, even as a young agronomist, things that are now off the market. Furidan's gone. Parathion's gone. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of harsh insecticides gone. Uh, I mean, it's, I just, I think it's great. We're replacing a lot of the more dangerous products with many safer products. So just as an example, I, I, I listed like Parathion and Furidan. Okay, those are, those are fairly dangerous products. The most popular overall chemistry and mode of action that there is in the world today for insecticides, it's the pyrethroid. You know where that comes from? The chrysanthemum flower. I think about uh, a lot of things that will come basically from nature, and sure, it's a reproduction of what's found in nature, but nevertheless, I, I mean, there are just so many things now, some of these new fungicides and herbicides, and I, I mean, it's it's great. So we're, we're definitely trending toward that safer side of things, and there eventually, hopefully, will be more biologicals, natural products, as we call them, that could become biopesticides. We're excited for that in the future, too. So anyway, we wanted to talk about this today because in the spring, that is typically the time, at least in most of the United States, when the vast majority of herbicides, insecticides, fungicides, when they're all getting used. And also, it's a time of year when a lot of us are under a lot of stress, getting less sleep than normal, and the chances are greater, again, when you're tired, that something could go wrong. So we, we just want to make sure that this is brought to the forefront and brought to the forefront every single day through the spring. Pesticide safety and safety around everything on your farm. That has to be number one. So anyway, we'll talk about that throughout the show today. Again, if you've got any questions for us, anything you want us to talk with you about, anything happening on your farm, any agronomy stuff going on, uh, I know we got a number of questions coming in already in the Ag PhD mailbag. We'll get to that later in the show. But anyway, you can certainly email us, radio at agphd.com, or you can give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it 
depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today just talking pesticide safety. We'll get to the phone lines here in just a little bit and the Ag PhD mailbag a little bit later in the show. But I want to continue on with this pesticide safety topic because there are a lot of people out there saying, well, all pesticides need to be banned. They're too dangerous. Um, look, they're... There's been a lot of testing done on every pesticide that's out there. That's what the EPA is for and other organizations that are out there. So to try to make sure that we are doing the right things, that the label is correct, and if products are used according to the label, then it's going to be safe. So they do testing on everything from human safety to pesticide residues and and the safety that that goes along with that. So I I just want to make sure that we're clear on this, that that's the purpose of the EPA. And there are other environmental protection agency type organizations in countries throughout the world. So this is a big deal. We are concerned about pesticide safety, but by the same token, if we don't use pesticides, then we we may very well have less healthy crops. I say it all the time, but when a plant is under stress, the plant absolutely will produce more natural carcinogens. That is a proven fact. So if we can keep that plant more stress-free, then it's going to be healthier. That's really important. And a lot of the pesticides getting used today are very safe to humans. Again, I'm not saying don't wear personal protective equipment or use care around all, all pesticides, but I am saying we got some great choices today. And as a farmer and with farm workers and everything in my family, I, I just, I feel great. I, I really do. As long as we're using those things with care. All right, uh, let's jump to the phone lines here uh, as we continue this talk on pesticide safety. Again, our phone lines are open. If you have a question or if you have a comment, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Start off with Amy Zimmerman here with the University of Nebraska. Uh, how are you doing today, Amy? I'm great. How are you guys today? 
we are doing quite well. You know, it's starting to dry up out in the fields, and, and guys are starting to, starting to get out there, and certainly a lot of um, farmers ready to get on their herbicides, their weed control, uh, insecticides with corn planting, those types of things. We thought, what a great day to talk a little pesticide safety. That's a great topic. All right, so what are some of the, the common questions you get about this, Amy, or, or some of the key points that you'd like to share with farmers? The big key points, and um, the speaker beforehand was talking about it a little bit, is personal protective equipment is really one of my biggest things. Um, making sure you're wearing your appropriate PPE. Uh, when we look at the label, that that is a mandatory statement. Um, it is designed to keep you safe as the applicator and the handler. So making sure you're wearing your gloves, uh, wearing long sleeve shirt, shoes, pants, um, are all designed to help protect you from pesticides and protect your health long term um, for potential side effects of those of those products. I like your point, your first point there, Amy. These are designed to keep you safe. It's not about everybody else like, oh, I'm doing this for the benefit of everyone else. No, it's for you, the applicator. So why wouldn't you do it? Well, it's kind of a pain. And, oh, I got to take an extra minute to put stuff on. And I I remember uh, just growing up, our dad, every once in a while, we'd notice dad cutting some corners too. And we'd call him out on it. And he'd say, oh, it's just going to be for a minute. But the dose makes the poison. And when you're handling this stuff all day long, uh, it, it sure adds up over time. It definitely does. And, and you bring up a great point. Monkey see, monkey do. Um, what you do is the way your kids are going to handle it, your grandkids are going to handle it. So if you want to make sure they are stay healthy um, and are still in the farm industry where we want them to be, uh, you need to show them how to do it too. Yeah, that that is a great point. And uh, setting a good example and just setting those trends of, hey, this is how we're doing it in our operation. We're, we're going to do things the right way. We want everybody to, to be healthy. We want everybody to go home every night and, and spend time with their family and, and not be sick or or worse. So, yeah, it's a big, big deal when we look at pesticide safety. You know, over the years, though, things have really changed. I remember some of the products that were labeled when I was a kid, and, and it's been quite a few years ago now, Amy, unfortunately. Uh, they aren't even on the market anymore. So there has been a movement in in the United States and around the world to to get some of these tougher products uh, that aren't quite as friendly to be around off the market. Precisely. And, you know, I use my example for my personal life. I grew up, I'm a kid of the 1980s. Um, One of those products that's no longer on the market is the dry formulation of Furidan. I remember as a kid, we put it in the planter box and we mixed it bare armed. Um, I'm eight, nine, ten year old doing this, but at the time, we didn't know what the long-term impacts of furidan was. Um, we know there's links with furidan now in cancer, and along along with a lot of our older chemistries. Um, but that's why you see changes in those labels because we've learned more um, as the years have gone on. So, where those PPEs listen to that label. Um, is still the best recommendation you can do and know that we learn from our past mistakes. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, we, we do have to pay attention and, and just, uh, the first thing that you mentioned, Amy is, is the important thing here. It's right on the label, what you need to protect yourself. And certainly if you've got kids or other family members out there, we want them to be safe too. So we're just encouraging everyone as we start this busy season here in 2023, keep pesticide safety and just safety in general at the top of the top of the list and in the front of your mind. Uh, Amy Zimmerman with the University of Nebraska. Thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me today. You bet. 
Let's head over to Southwest Michigan. We've got Rick on right now who raises vegetables and other things there. How you doing, Rick? Hey, so glad to hear from you guys. Uh, it's nice to hear you and your brother. Um, I, I have to say thank you so much for bringing up the point all about safety because, uh, my God, I don't know how many different chemicals we use with vegetables. Every week it could be different when the guy writes our list. But uh, me and my brother have both been stung back in the 80s from a reaction, not from wearing we always wore gloves and rubber boots and a mask, but I don't know. It was just something in the air, even with the mask on. So I know they've outlawed it. We can't. And thank God they did. Uh, but um, thank you guys so much for that. And just as far as us, it's too wet. Uh, we went through a heat wave here, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we're getting ready, marking the fields to plow down the rye so it don't get too tall so we can mulch it for plastic and uh, a little more corn than beans and we picked up a little more land 60 acres and we were hoping for more but we didn't get it but uh, you know what Brian and, and both of you I gotta say God bless and thank you and good luck on your farm this year I, we wish you the best of luck my brother says hi my higher man Toby says hi and uh, <laughs> me and my brother are 10 months apart. It's hard to believe. My own <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much. I love what that lady said, uh, given the importance of it, too. So kudos to her, too. But good luck with your season this year. We could use a little dry spell and warm up. Now we're in a cold front. So well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to warm up, Rick. There's no doubt about that. It's not going to stay cold forever. It's coming where we – right. And then, then – we're ready to fire up. Most of the stuff is ready, but we always like to get a head start and lay our plastic before we start any grain. I don't. We won't plant here in this state any corn till uh, at least another ten, twelve days. That's just our normal from where we're at. You got a few guys that uh, start the last couple of days of April, but not many. And we're always happy with our year when we wait. You know, 10th, 12th of May, and it don't take us too long. Well, you certainly want yeah. the soil to be fit, too. There's no point pushing it if the soil is not ready to go. Like you say, you've been wet. We've been Thank wet you. on our farm a little bit here, too. And and even Brian this year, Rick, it's really impressive. I, I've just seen the personal growth that he's like, you know, guys, it, it's a little too wet. We can wait a few days. I love it. Hey, Rick, good to hear from you again. Good luck to you guys, too. We'll be, we'll be thinking good about you. Hopefully the sun comes out and you guys can get rolling on those vegetables because – we do enjoy eating them. <laughs> okay, so talking about me waiting for wet soil, we always have to wait for wet soils, Dare. I, I, it's cold soil. No, you're more I patient, Brian. You're no, more patient. Normally, you're exactly just a little more antsy. Like, man, we gotta no. go. We gotta go. Well, part. I, I mean, honestly, we, we're raising a lot of silage corn, so planting date isn't as important. But no, we want to be out there the second ground is fit. Could be today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Get what you spray for. Results. Get the lasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemmax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. From the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead, Morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance. It's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high-quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. My mom's got a new Case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bale hay all day. Stay in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Hi, Greg Souter. Uniform emergence is critical for high ear count and yields. Good emergence starts with the closing of the seed trench. It's almost impossible to pinch the seed trench closed from the top, no matter what style of closing wheel you use. That's why 360 Wave closes the seed trench from the bottom up. 360 Wave rolls moist soil from the bottom of the V trench over the seed, completely engulfing the seed, eliminating all traces of the trench. That means better germination and emergence. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio talking about pesticide safety today as many farmers get out into the field, us included. Pesticides are going to be used for weed control, insect control, disease control, those types of things. We just want everyone to be safe. We want to do the right thing for the environment for sure. And we absolutely want everyone to be real careful and, and follow labels and so forth as they're using these products. We've got Amanda Backman with us right now. Uh, she's with South Dakota State University. How are you doing, Amanda? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. You know, as farmers, we talk about safety all the time. And I got called out when I was spraying my yard and I had a short sleeve shirt on because it was hot. And one of my neighbors said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm spraying for some dandelions. And she said, Darren, you should be wearing a long sleeve shirt, shouldn't you? And I did have I did have some goggles on. I definitely had rubber gloves and rubber boots and all that. And I had long pants, but it was just too hot, Amanda. And I, <laughs> uh, even me, I got called out for this. So I, I know nobody's immune to it. 
Yes, that is one of the big things. And I notice it too when I'm driving around my neighborhood and I see folks applying, you know, probably an herbicide out there in like shorts and flip-flops. And one of the basic things, one of the basic, you know, pieces of PPE or that personal protective equipment on pretty much every label is long pants, long sleeve shirt, and closed-toed shoes. Yeah, yeah, it makes a difference. And, you know, you think about it, as, as farmers, many farmers now uh, have uh, cabs with great uh, air filtration systems and those types of things on sprayers, which is awesome. It really helps. There's no doubt about that. But uh, when, when we are doing some of those things, I mean, around the farmyard or around a yard in town, you're spreading fertilizer or spraying dandelions like I was or dealing with mosquitoes. I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunity there if you're not careful and smart. Yeah, and a lot of people forget that our skin is actually sort of our biggest organ and also one of the main routes for pesticide ex- exposure. So making sure that you're covering your skin and then also, you know, washing your hands, taking a shower, doing all those things afterwards to get any sort of residue off you as quickly as possible will help reduce risks um, associated with chronic pesticide exposure. You know, that's a, that's a smart thing too. And I, I know as farmers at the end of the day, a lot of times we're, we're dirty. We've been out in the fields <laughs> playing in the dirt a little bit. And so you're, you're definitely going to shower up, but sometimes, you know, if you're doing things, especially on a small scale, it's, well, I got to get this one job done and then I got to go run this other errand. And we don't think about that, that, that just washing up or, or possibly even having to take a shower, those kinds of things could really help it just in case there was any little bit of pesticide that got on you. Yeah, and especially if you think about, you know, getting into your truck cab or your personal vehicle, a lot of those surfaces, like that that truck seat is a a porous surface, and you're not going to be, like, steam cleaning or laundering your truck seat. And so any of those little bits of exposure over time can really build up. So we do want to make sure that folks are, you know, using PPE appropriately, but then thinking about, like, okay, what have I touched? What have I been using? You know, if you've got a leather wallet or, you know, some sort of, like, cell phone case, we see a lot of pesticide exposure on, you know, personal items like that that you don't even think about when you're using them out in the field. Um, And leather will hold on to all sorts of chemicals. So you want to be really careful, you know, maybe, maybe don't have that favorite uh, ball cap during the season, you know, (laughs) launder it, rotate it out. I know a lot of people get a bunch of free ones. So um, there are, that's just just a rumor. That's just a rumor. Yeah. Actually, people like me, my wife makes me uh, give some away or throw them out if I get too many hats around. But uh, I, I know what you mean about the favorite hat because you do see mm-hmm. some that are they're well worn. <laughs> that- right. They're like perfectly broken in. We know you hate to lose that. But if you think about, you know, if you've been touching the brim a lot and you still have, you know, gloves on after you've been mixing, you know, that's another way that you can get some of that, you know, chronic, just little bits of exposure over time. So we want to make sure that people are cutting down on that risk. Um, and then also, you know, when you're doing laundry, separate your laundry out from the rest of the household laundry. I know it kind of makes a little bit of extra work for you, but it's really important to keep those residues away from, you know, folks who maybe don't have good immune systems or kids or babies. Um, so you want to, if you can, have separate laundry facilities for contaminated clothing. Yeah, that's a really smart move. And I know a lot of livestock operations do the same thing. They're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to, we're just going to have separate machines just to keep all that stuff yep. uh, apart from the regular laundry. You know, another thing I think about too is just handling jugs and all these kinds of things. And you mentioned rubber gloves and eye protection and those types of things, but rinsing out those jugs, recycling those jugs and and dealing with them appropriately, those things are all really important too. 
Yeah, and depending on what state you're in, uh, you may have access to pesticide container recycling programs. I know here in South Dakota, our State Department of Ag goes around to every county once per summer and picks up those jugs for recycling. Um, and so depending on where you live, you might have a program available like that. And it's free for, you know, anybody in South Dakota to utilize. And it's a great way to get those, you know, sort of out of, the, out of the shed and make sure that they're not, you know, getting burned, which is illegal in South Dakota, or getting put in a landfill. Yeah, it's a smart move. And you think about a state like South Dakota, how big this state is and how far away from big towns many of the farmers are in, in the rural areas. It's kind of nice the state actually comes to each county to do that here. And I'm sure in other places around the United States and Canada, the same types of things happen. So look for those opportunities. If you say, man, I got to do something with this and I want to do the right thing. Uh, just talk to your local officials. They, they definitely have resources uh, around to, to try and help farmers to do the right thing for the environment and for their own safety. We're talking with Amanda Backman here with South Dakota State. Amanda, you got a lot of good topics started here for us. We really appreciate it, and thanks for what you're doing. Yep, thanks so much for having me. All right, I wanted to continue on with this pesticide safety thing, and uh, here's perhaps the most important thing you always want to think about. The dose makes the poison. Everything can be harmful. So even if it's something that you go, oh, yeah, that's it's very low for the danger risk. Well, if you have constant exposure to it, now it can be a lot more harmful. So just kind of keep that in mind. And this is also why we're going to encourage you to always wear personal protective equipment. Now, I, I, I want to come back to something I was talking about earlier because... You may be thinking, well, you know what, we just need to ban all these pesticides and that's going to end all our problems with cancer and all these other issues we've got. Oh, no. You use so many things every day that could potentially be harmful to you. We already talked about household cleaners, gasoline, oil, grease, all these things that, quite frankly, are super dangerous. And more da all those things are more dangerous than any pesticide we use on our own farm. But think about things just where it's very minute amounts of harmful substances like there's cobalt in electronics there are a lot of things in plastics that are not real good for you um, so I, I i mean i could give you an enormous list of things where i'm not saying oh my goodness i got to be careful about literally everything about toys and shampoo and you know <laughs> don't get me wrong I, i'm not trying to get you into a panic here. I'm just simply trying to say, again, the dose makes the poison and literally everything can be harmful for you. There is something called the LD50, that's lethal dose 50%. It's basically how much of any substance it would take to kill you. And so that's something that is going to be on all food labels, pesticide labels, everything. And just as, as a quick example, even water. Did you know there is an LD50 for water? And I translate, so it's 90,000 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So I weigh close to 200 pounds. It would take, if I had 18 pounds of water and I consumed that all in one shot, um, I get a 50% chance of death. 18 pounds of water. So literally water can kill me. <laughs> so the reason why of I'm bringing this- all the things, Brian, that's the one that I might take a chance trying but, sometimes. But here's why I'm bringing this up. Especially on a hot summer day. Table salt. You know how much table salt it would take to give me a 50% chance of death? 9.6 ounces. That's it. 9.6 ounces of table salt. Uh, acetaminophen or Tylenol, 6.4 ounces. I got a 50% chance of death. Co copper sulfate. 
0.96 ounces. That's less than an ounce. Caffeine. 0.64 ounces of caffeine would give me a 50% chance of death. Nicotine, 0.16 ounces. And vitamin D that your doctor may tell you to take, it would only take 0.032 ounces to give a 200-pound person a 50% chance of death if they consume all that in one shot. So again, I apologize because I'm not trying to stir you into a panic, but I'm trying to simply say... You can't ban everything that's harmful because literally everything is harmful if you overdo it. So we got to use moderation and with pesticides, always wear personal protective equipment. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Last year's fertilizer cost too much. This year's fertilizer still costs too much. So maybe next year, uh-huh, maybe next year, instead of paying whatever the market dictates, you should find a new source. Source from Sound Agriculture unlocks more of the crop nutrients that are already in your soil so you can use less fertilizer and capture the yield you count on to turn a profit. I said to turn a profit. That's more like it. Learn more at Sound.ag. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right Fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro. The future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. 
listening to Ag PhD Radio. It is the Ag PhD mailbag time where we're taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. As I shuffle my papers here, I got this question that came in from David, and it's kind of a common question here, Brian. We we, we get similar questions to this. It seems to be one of the tougher problems to solve. Uh, David said, uh, we're running a strawberry plant nursery in California, and we're irrigating primarily using drip tape, but there is some overhead irrigation in the summer and the fall. Our well water is high in pH, sodium, bicarbonate, and carbonate. So we cut all our water with sulfuric acid. Most of our ground is sandy loam with a pH of... 7 to 7.8 and CECs around 13, but we have poor drainage, which limits how we irrigate. Uh, soil samples taken during planting show high calcium, low sodium, but as the season progresses, calcium drops, sodium rises, and that's been our main issue the last few years. So just curious, do you have any ideas how we can combat poor water quality and rising sodium levels throughout the season? We're struggling to leach salts during the year due to poor water infiltration, so we plan to deep rip five to six feet this summer. Yeah, at our Neil Kinsey workshop that we had back a couple of months ago, we had Bill Brush, and he's an occasional guest here on the show. We really need to send this stuff over to him. He'll probably have, he's got experience dealing with this and, and that water quality and, thing. And he's close to. So. Right. Yep. Yeah, that would be good. We, we've got somebody, David, that that's in your area that, that's pretty good on this, and that's one of their specialties. He's done it for a long time, and that would be a good uh, tip. And then I guess I'll just say this for our listeners here as we're reading through the material David sent us. We've got a couple of water quality analysis and uh, sheets and we've got a couple of soil test sheets the soil test though brian i was looking at the base saturations exactly. they don't add up to 100 say. they add up to more than 100 so that's that's always a little tricky every lab does things just a little bit different so i don't know uh, if yeah, this is outside the norm translate. of what people norm people will usually do so what labs will usually do so yes it's confusing and i i really don't get it so when it's not going to a lab that i'm familiar with and it's not running the standard tests then it's it, it's a little bit harder so there are some certainly some soil tests on here and everything else but it's i i guess very confusing when i look at the numbers and i add things up i don't get I don't, I don't, I don't end up with the same numbers that they do, so I'm not exactly sure. So say it one more time. What was his issue once he got late in the year because numbers went up? What did he say? Sodium went up. Sodium the goes year? up and yeah. calcium goes down. And you look at the water, the in the water, the calcium's really low, but the sodium's high. Exactly. So, so that it's, makes complete sense. So it's the water sense. that's doing it. Yep. Right. 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 And. You can get ahead of that if you want to by putting some calcium out there during the course of the season. So that's where a lot of times people will use something like gypsum. Uh, you don't, I, I probably would not be using lime or calcium carbonate as a, as a calcium source because your pH is already at 7.2 and 7.3, at least according to this. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I would say... We'll we'll probably get some more answers on this. We'll we'll send this over to this other consultant that we do a lot of work with. But when I'm looking at the soil test, just in general, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at P 
K, for example, and I say, okay, your your phosphorus is really not too bad. You got like on an Olson test, 26, 38, so it's not terrible. Um, your potassium, not too bad, 250, 375, so you know, it's okay. But then I'm starting to look at some of the micronutrients, and here again, when I don't know exactly what they're using for a testing method, it's hard for me to say, oh, this really looks low, but my initial thought, like on zinc and copper, when we're at one part per million, or maybe two at the most, um, those look really low to me. Boron at 0 0.4, 0 0.5 looks really low to me. And so we want to make sure we're not neglecting these micronutrients. I guess I think that's a really big deal. So I continue looking at that as well. But yes, adding some calcium during the season, maybe in the form of gypsum, could be something that, that could help. Yeah, I did look at your website, David. You guys have been doing some pretty innovative practices out there for a long time. So kudos to you for uh, doing a great job with, with what you're doing with the strawberries and more. Uh, it, this water problem, though, is definitely not going away. So you're, you're right to, to try and address this before it gets too far. Because you look at sodium levels at, what, 3 or 4%. So it could be a lot worse. We've seen a lot worse than that. Uh, it definitely doesn't get better. Well, yeah, but, but again, I... I, I I don't know. I'm not familiar with the lab. So if let's say some of this went into one of the labs that we normally work with, what would their test show? So that's a good question. All right. What you got next there, Darren? Okay. Uh, this one kind of goes along with our safety theme. This one's from John. And he said, you guys are talking about weed control and fertilizing lawns. And he said, when you could buy ammonium sulfate without being hauled in for questioning, we used to give our lawns a good dose every spring. It actually killed most of the broadleaf weeds uh, and clover and greened up the grass like you wouldn't believe. Grass weeds had to be hit with glyphosate, which left dead patches, but then they quickly disappeared. Uh, okay, I, I agree with you on, uh, say you had quack grass and you just had a small little spot. Uh, using some glyphosate. One thing you could try, John, too, with that, uh, as I've seen where you could actually just brush that grass so you didn't spray it and kill as much of the desirable vegetation around it, that might be a tip for you. But ammonium sulfate, I don't know, Brian, that it's necessarily killed weeds. I don't know if I've ever seen it nope, kill weeds, never. but definitely I've seen it green up grass. The sulfate is just about as important as the nitrogen for that made a big difference so well yeah i don't know if i would go quite that far but it is important really and a you, lot think, of soils you think homeowners are, are putting enough sulfur, sulfur on no i'm just you, saying the nitrogen is I by far putting, more important than the sulfur know, and that's but, what's greening it up but yes the sulfur is important because uh, the sulfur helps make that nitrogen more efficient in the plant so you don't need quite as much Okay, uh, I get this one from Cody uh, up in southeastern North Dakota. Cody says, uh, most of my farm ground here is, is pretty marginal, and I'm wondering about utilizing some of the naturals or biologicals. Would they be a good investment in furrow or foliar when you've got kind of marginal soil to try to perk things up? Well, okay, I, I would say it could be important, but here's the thing. If I've got marginal soil, and I don't know what marginal exactly means there, but I'm always looking at tiles number one, drainage is number one, number two is fertility, and then number three, I'm looking at all those biological, natural, everything else, because quite frankly, um, the, the two best returns we typically see is tile and fertilizer. Beyond that, though, 
we I would say we've seen our best results with humic acid on the soil in what we would call marginal ground where we've got issues, okay? So the more you fix everything, get everything great, all the fertility levels, the drainage, the pH, then the humic doesn't seem to pay as well. That's been our experience. In terms of specific bugs out there, let's put it this way. If you've got poor drainage and poor fertility, that tells me two things. Number one, the poor drainage means you have you don't have enough air in that soil to keep the microbes living from year to year and even within the year potentially. And then the poor fertility means that you've got not as many plant roots feeding the microbes. So here again, that's why I say, hey, if we fix the drainage, now you have air. If you fix the fertility, now you're going to have more roots, and then they're going to kick more sugars out that are going to feed more microbes, and the population's going to explode for you. So those are all good things. So make sure you're doing those two first. But sure, I mean, we use a lot of different biologicals. We picked up awful ground. We have some awful ground, and that absolutely can help. You can try some different things, uh, see what works for you. Every soil is a little bit different. Every Everybody's situation is a little different. All right. Thanks for the, the question. I uh, get this one in from GB. You said you guys were talking about seed placement and how that can affect emergence. I've had the same yep. issue where some plants get so far behind the ones next to them yep. that they might not even put on try to ear hit, of corn. Yeah, try to hit moisture. So we've had that issue the last couple of years where it's been so darn dry. We've actually planted just a hair deeper than we normally would. Because of that dry weather, we want to hit moisture and then you got to make sure you have good seed to soil contact so that seed gets germinated as quickly as possible. We're taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of our show today in the Ag PhD mailbag. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event Saturday, June 24th, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Join us as we head into the field for hands-on sessions covering everything from how to pull soil and plant tissue tests, ways to improve crop health, the importance of microbiology and farming, and much more. 
Plus, in our comprehensive guide to crop scouting, we'll explore both above and below ground in a variety of crops as we diagnose problems with insects, weeds, diseases, and anything else we may find. As we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees, this day is geared more towards students and young farmers. But anyone with the desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. So whether you're a college student or just want the good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day at Saturday, June 24th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. This is Officer Jones calling for backup. 10-4, location? Graber back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer Amaranth, Kosha, some common water hemp. Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending Tough 5UC. Come out with your hands up! Guys, we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgian Crop Protection. Head over to your local CNB to get yourself a new John Deere planter or schedule inspections to make sure your equipment is as ready for spring as you are. Visit CNB Operations online at deerequipment.com. That's D-E-E-R equipment.com. Morton buildings are made to last for generations. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, we are committed to quality. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head to those phone lines. Got Wayne down in southwest Iowa with a question. How you doing, Wayne? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. What's on your mind? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, earlier you were talking about the uh, LD50s of uh, different products. Um, you know, we're getting into planting season and, you know, at the end of the day, the you know you're just covered with uh, graphite or talc, whatever you're using. And I've always wondered how dangerous is uh, powdered graphite? What I use. You know, when you look at graphite and talc, it is almost impossible not to get covered in those things because it's always right. windy. And I, I know Southwest Iowa is very similar to South Dakota. It's it's terrible windy all the time, it seems like, about any time you want to be outside anyway. So, yeah, that is a good concern. And, and we talk about uh, protection. And I know... Um, you know, when we see farmers wearing a, a dust mask and those types of things, if they're doing graphite or talc, they're almost always coated in that stuff. So it it certainly is is something to be aware of and not not be breathing that in all day long. But then, by the same token, it's kind of like with the whole um, COVID pandemic. You saw people being forced to wear masks that weren't used to wearing masks, and they're just touching it all the time. So if you're constantly touching, everything that's on your hands is on the mask and vice versa. So got to be careful with that as well. Uh, Brian, all right, LD50, graphite, talc, or, or even the graphite talc mixes that, that are out there too. What What do you see? Okay, so a couple of things. First of all, with talc, there's a lot of talc out there that unfortunately has asbestos in it. So graphite and asbestos are both terrible for your lungs. So that's one of the things. So it, there's, 
so there are all different levels of the safety and things we can talk about, and uh, we don't we only have so much time here to visit about it. But um, when we talk about lethal dose, the actual lethal dose for both graphite and talc is not that terribly high. So uh, this, and I'm sure there are different levels, different types of graphite. One that I found here, just looking at it real quick, was like two thousand milligrams per kilogram. So in other words, that would be uh, 10 times safer than caffeine. Um, but again, uh, caffeine doesn't have the potential respiratory issues that a graphite or a talc could give you. So we want to try to avoid inhalation, and that's where wearing a mask could at least stop a lot of those things from uh, from getting breathed in. So if it was me and I was around that out by the planter and I'm, I got graphite and talc, I'd be wearing a mask just to be on the safe side. What we talked about a little bit ago is the dose makes the poison. So if you have 100 acres and you're planting one day a year, it's different than if you have 10,000 acres and you're planting for 60 days out of the year, you know where I'm going with this. So, I mean, I, 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 it, these aren't the most dangerous products, but nevertheless, like with talc, I didn't even realize until just a couple of years ago, there's a lot of it that's got asbestos in it. <laughs> it's like, what? How can that have asbestos in it? I'm not saying all talcs do, but I am saying that's something you should ask for when you're buying talc. Uh, so the reason why we even got familiar with it is we were having issues with naturals, some of these biologicals, where some of them mixed with talc were getting killed. And it's like, what? How can that be? And so then we had to find the right grade of talc. And that's where I learned, oh, yeah, this is part of why we're having a problem, because there's some, there's not a lot, but a little bit of asbestos in some of these talcs. And that's what kills off some of the biologicals. And the graphite, it's uh, again, it's the reason why it causes some respiratory issues too, because you think about what graphite is, and they're they're tiny, and I realize it's almost microscopic, tiny little jagged edges that we're dealing with there, and that can be harmful for biologicals, just like it can be harmful for your lungs if you consume too much. So, sorry, I, I wish I had better news to say, uh, Wayne, oh, this stuff's perfectly safe. Don't even worry about it. You're good to go. It's, it's not the most dangerous stuff, but I'd rather have you wearing a mask and not breathing all of it in constantly. Yeah, well, uh, I always wonder, even just uh, having it on your skin all day, that can't be the greatest thing either, can it? That's not nearly as bad. So with with okay. that those substances, there there the lethal dose for the dermal is not nearly as great as it, breathing it in or basically drinking it in. Okay. Still not yeah. good though, what Wayne. About, I agree with you. Washing your hands would be good. Having some water along and, to, and, to wash your and hands as much as you can and as much as you can tolerate it with the heat and everything. Long pants, long sleeve shirt, you know, stuff like that. Right. And what about getting it in your eyes? I mean, it's just yep. you know. It, it, it can't be great right. uh, no matter what. Yeah, that's right. But it, it's not nearly as dangerous as some things that could go in your eyes. So, And this is another thing I didn't realize till probably this is 10 years ago. But stinger. So, And there are a lot of herbicides that contain stinger, whether it's wide match 
or a triple flex sure start stinger can be pretty harmful for your eyes. And the reason why I learned that is because there was somebody who was going to uh, use it with a backpack sprayer. And it's like, whoa, wait, wait, wait a second. And I heard from somebody going, uh, yeah, you don't want to do that. You got to be careful with stinger. That, that can be harmful for your eyes more than a graphite or a talc. So Yep. There, there are a lot of these things where we just kind of take it for granted, like, oh, they're, they're all about the same, you know, not super dangerous, whatever, but they each kind of have their own little things that you want to pay attention to. But yeah, I'm with you. I'd, I'd just as soon keep that graphite and talc out of my eyes if I can. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. You bet. Thanks, Swain. Good luck and uh, be safe this spring. Okay. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Okay, Brian. Uh this one came in from Ryan. He's up in West Central Minnesota. He said, I'm going to use some naturals this year. Do you like Alpha Complete Foliar or do you prefer it in a 2 by 2 That's his first question. Well, let's talk specifically about what we're dealing with here. So you got uh, basically there's some fulvic acid, zinc, amino acids, um, and... Uh, and microbes. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and microbes. So I'm, I would... I'd probably say I'd rather use something like that in furrow, but I will tell you amino acids, we're starting to take that out and use that more foliar. We're liking the amino acids fairly early in the season. Like in wheat, for example, we've seen tremendous response from amino acids at green up or early in the season for spring wheat. Uh, and it looks like the data is starting to show us, hey, foliar would probably be better for both corn and soybeans, wouldn't you say, Darren? On amino acids? Yes, on amino acids. But if you're saying I'm going to use that whole combination uh, and I could put it down on a two-by-two, two, I would do the two-by-two. Two. Yes, yes. Uh, and then next thing he said, what do you think about on alfalfa seed? Uh, there's a talc-based product called NutriShield. I'm thinking about adding that on. I've got lighter soils. That's what we did on ours last year. 8.5. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's a good way to do it, Ryan. I I support that. Yeah, Uh, beneficial microbes. We like seeing a lot of these beneficial microbes in the soil. When you start talking amino acids, that we're we're really starting to prefer that foliar. And then you get some of these plant growth hormones. They could be used at different times depending on what the growth hormone is so yeah there are a lot of different biologicals or naturals and it's uh, it's about figuring out what's the right timing for you and for your crops all right get this one in from dave he's over in wisconsin he said guys we have some uh, borderline hilly slopey ground here and unfortunately <laughs> like he says borderline it's it's been uh, <laughs> it's been a little wet to get across there with the sprayer we've got to yep. get our three pre's on we're yep. using valor prowl and metribuzin yep. If we leave that on top, do I have to worry about it running off with spring rains on these hilly, slopey grounds, or will it stick to the soil fairly well? Sticks to the soil fairly well, but let's put it this way. If your soil moves, well, then the herbicide's going to move. So that, 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 I guess, would be my question. How much risk do you have for soil erosion? Because if you have great risk, then you have great risk of the herbicide moving as well. Unless you get some slower rain first and it soaks into the ground. So I would tell you we've got probably half the ground we farm is fairly hilly. I don't get that worried about it in like a no-till, strip-till kind of situation. Now, if the ground was completely tilled and worked and black and there's no residue on top, well, then I'm much more worried about soil erosion. So if I'm in that kind of situation, then we spray and we till. If we have no-till or strip-till, then we just go spray and we don't worry about it. And usually we have no, almost no problems. 
Yep, it's always tough when uh, things are a little bit too wet out there, but you know what? We found uh, in the mornings it's been a little firmer here. We've been able to get through and get a lot of stuff done. Hopefully for you, things straighten out very soon. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.